Blessed Lord, who caused all holy Scripture to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, and learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. So, last week, we discovered that Jesus sets up His ten among us, that we might behold His glory and what become more like Him. And today, we're going to explore how Jesus redeems us and transforms our relationships. We're going to look at what it means for Jesus not only to come in tabernacle among us and show us the glory of God, but how that glory not only affects us, but affects how we relate with one another. So I want to encourage you to open your Bible to John chapter 1. We're going to be in the prologue one last Sunday, um, John 1, 1 through 18. I also want to encourage you to get out your journal. Um, and if you don't have a journal, uh, there are journals um, back there on the Bible cart. And uh, really want to encourage us to continue to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the Word of God with an open Bible and with uh, a journal and a pencil or pen. Um, John 1.14 in your blue Bibles is on page 886. And I want to begin really with a question. And the question is this, when we behold the glory of Christ, what is it that we behold? When we see Jesus, what is it that we see? And John wants us to know, and so he testifies that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son of the Father. And what we see when we see Jesus is the fullness of grace and truth. And when we behold the glory of Christ and we see the fullness of His grace and truth, it changes everything. And so this morning, I want to look at what is grace, what is truth, and how does that apply to our lives in an everyday basis? Let's start with grace. What um, is grace? Simply stated, grace is favor. It's favor. Um, grace is when somebody's on our side, even when it might not be logical or expedient for them to be on our side. Grace is when someone is for us instead of against us, even when it causes them uh, to have to suffer for our best interest. So there's nothing that we can do to gain grace. Grace is given freely, and grace is given freely based solely on the character of the giver. It's favor. It's not something we earn. It's not something we merit. It's what someone gives us. There was a girl who was in an AP English class, and she didn't want to take the class. 
And she didn't want to take the class because she was afraid that she was going to fail. And her teacher recognized this and asked this young girl, if I give you an A+, will you take the class? And the girl was afraid, but she wasn't stupid. And so she said, yeah, if you give me an A+, I'll take the class. And so the teacher went to his grade book, and he opened it up, and with a red Sharpie right next to her name, he wrote A+, in the bottom row for the final end-of-the-year grade. And that semester, the girl showed up for every class. She did all the reading. She took all the tests, and she wrote all the papers. And at the end of the semester and at the end of the year, guess what her grade was? A plus. In the same way, grace is God showing us favor and kindness. Grace is the power of God that enables us to be who we are created and redeemed to be and to do the good things that God has planned for us from long ago. And so like that teacher, what Jesus does full of grace and truth is he removes our shame. He relieves us from any sense of condemnation and he covers us with his complete acceptance and love. And what his grace does is it moves us to respond in a positive way. That's grace. Grace is good. We all need grace in our lives. But Jesus is full of grace and what? Truth. What is truth? Simply stated, truth is reality. And the ultimate reality is God's truth. And God's truth is displayed in creation. God's truth is distributed in the law of Moses. But God's truth is ultimately fulfilled in the person and ministry of Jesus, the Word made flesh, who came and set up his tent among us. And because Jesus is the truth of God, we can know the truth, and we can see the truth in action, and we can be set free by the truth, and we can live in accordance with the truth. So there's no such thing as your truth, and there's no such thing as my truth. Truth is grounded upon and absolutely resides in a person, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the one who fulfills the story of God. So I don't know how many of you have been like really, really, really sick, but when you're really, really, really sick, you need medicine. And the reality is, is that all of us are really, really, really spiritually sick. Our hearts are terminally infected with pride. Our spirit of rebellion against God is fatal. But the good news is, is that the truth is how God heals us. Jesus is medicine for the soul. His truth heals us, and his truth sets us free so that we no longer live for ourselves or live against God, but we live for God with God and with one another according to his purposes and designs for us.
So John is trying to help us understand that this is why Jesus has come. He's come full of grace and truth to remove our shame and relieve any sense of condemnation, to cover us with his complete acceptance and love, to heal us and to set us free, to take us out of darkness and into life and light, to help us to experience life to the full, life that is abundant, full of grace and truth. Bless you. So the question becomes, how does that grace and truth work out in and through our lives every day? I want to, um, I want to share something with you that has been extremely helpful to me. And I hope that it is um, at least in some part helpful to you. And in your journal, you can draw um, this graph, this quadrant. I call this the uh, grace-truth quadrant. And I want to walk you through um, the different quadrants and what happens when um, we're in one quadrant rather than the other and where ultimately Jesus leads us. So the first quadrant is low grace, low truth. Low grace, low truth. This is a miserable way to live. Here there's no ultimate standard of truth. So what makes up right and wrong or good and bad is ultimately left to personal choice. And there's also no standard uh, for grace. So if you dare disagree with someone's personal choice, uh, you're condemned as being closed-minded or mean-spirited. No grace, no truth. This is relativism at its best. Relativism rooted in pride that results in an independent spirit. Low grace, low truth epitomizes what it means to be lost, to be aimless, directionless, disconnected, unrooted in the story of God. It's in no way who God created and redeemed us to be and sadly, it leads to isolation and spiritual depression. Low grace, low truth. Not the mark we're trying to hit. Then there's high grace, low truth. High grace, low truth. And uh, what the Apostle Paul will write to the church in Galatia is that grace without truth leads to license. This is the pop culture MO of our day. Almost anything goes. And as a result of that, we're pressed to accept people relationally and simultaneously affirm whatever decisions or lifestyle choices they make. And so what happens is that this mindset joins tolerance with unconditional affirmation to create an entirely false definition of love. And in the end, high grace, low truth isn't love at all. What it is is fear, disguised as love. But it's fear that permits excess and actually encourages self-destruction, all for the sake of a false sense of acceptance. Grace without truth does not represent who God created and redeemed us to be. So there's low truth, low grace, high grace, low truth. Guess what's next? High truth, low grace. High truth, low grace. 
And truth without grace is what? Legalism. Yeah. There are rules and regulations, do's and don'ts, laws and structures, but there's no kindness, there's no compassion, there's no flexibility. And the truth without grace says, yeah, I'll love you, I'll accept you, only if you do what's right. And what high truth, low grace is, is an overdose. It's an overdose of good medicine that ends up making things worse. It leads to judgment and condemnation and fear and anxiety and shame and a trail of bodies in its wake. This is what causes so much hurt in fundamentalist Christian circles. Truth without grace does not represent who God created and redeemed us to be. Now, just pause for a second. In your journal exercise for this week, where do you fall on this quadrant? We all fall somewhere. Where are you most inclined? Where do you see yourself on the grace-truth quadrant? And even more significantly, in which direction would you like God to begin to move you? Because truth says you're somewhere, but grace says Jesus is taking you somewhere better. I want to look at what that means. I want to drill down on what Jesus does for us because Jesus is full of grace and truth. He brings together the fullness of grace and truth, not only for us, but also in us. So I want to be clear that Jesus isn't 50% grace and 50% truth any more than he's 50% God and 50% human. Jesus is 100% grace and 100% truth. He's the fullness of both and. And he brings his truth by acknowledging our sin and he brings his grace by dying to forgive our sin and then by his resurrection, he pours out his truth and grace into our lives. That's why in verse 16, John says, from his fullness, we have all received. We have received the fullness of Jesus' grace and truth for a specific important reason. And that is so that we would be high grace, high truth people just like him. Do you see what he's doing? Jesus empowers us and heals us to love one another as he loved us, full of grace and truth. And so when the grace and truth of Jesus is the foundation of our lives, and when grace and truth is the foundation of our relationships, two remarkable, wonderful things happen. We become truth tellers and grace givers. Not 50% truth and 50% grace, but 100% truth tellers and 100% grace givers. I want to bring this down and hone in on this because this is so important for how we follow Jesus together in community. This is what it means to be a gospel community. This is the heart of discipleship, okay? 
as disciples of Jesus, we are truth tellers. And being truth tellers means that we embrace conflict rather than avoid it. I know. It means we love someone enough to discuss the way they're hurting themselves or hurting somebody else. It means that we humbly share observations and concerns, but we do so without condemnation, without imposing guilt, without inducing shame. We are truth tellers and we speak the truth in love. Now, that's hard for me. And the truth is, is that we all lean to one side or the other. We either lean more to grace or we lean more to truth. What Jesus does through the ministry of the Holy Spirit is he brings us to the middle and lines us up to become just like him, full of both. But I naturally lean to the grace side. And as a result of that, God has put uh, significant truth tellers in my life along the way to love me toward fullness in Christ. People like Steve Stratton, my young life leader in high school. People like Amanda, high truth teller. <laughs> right? We compliment each other beautifully. Yes, people like Brian. Brian's high truth teller. And over the past 20 years, the Spirit of God has been using these significant truth tellers in my life to bring me back to the fullness of Christ, healing my fear of man, redeeming my desire to please people more than please God, making me more like Jesus, full of truth and grace and the practice of tenderly loving people by speaking the truth. And what I've discovered and what we discover is that the truth doesn't hurt. It humbles and heals and sets us free when the truth is shared in love like Jesus. When we do that, when we speak the truth in love, we're actually imitating Jesus. And so truth becomes medicine for the soul. It heals our pride. It cures our rebellion. And it sets us free to be who God created and redeemed us to be. That's the heart of discipleship. That's what it means to be a gospel community, to be truth tellers. The goal isn't to be right. The goal is to point a person in their identity in Christ. And that means one of the most loving things that we can do is to speak the truth in a manner consistent with the gospel. We would be like Jesus in that way. So Jesus uh, enables us to be high grace, high, high truth people, and in him we become truth tellers, but in him we also become grace givers. As disciples of Jesus, we are grace givers, and that is really rooted in a high self-awareness that we're all a mess. We're all mess. We all need help. We all need belonging and love and forgiveness to grow. And sometimes we just need to be given a break. And being grace givers means engaging in healthy conflict for the sake of growing in Christ. Not going to war, but growing in Christ. Christ. 
And it means we give the benefit of the doubt. It means we don't take offense when no offense was intended. It means we're slow to anger and quick to empathize. It means we protect a person's reputation in our mind, in our hearts, and with our words. It means we don't hold on to grudges or hold back forgiveness. It means we humbly and sacrificially consider others more important than ourselves. And like Jesus, it means we forgive one another. We forgive one another as he forgave us. And when we do that, who are we like? Who are we imitating? We're imitating Jesus. And so the goal in being grace givers isn't to ignore inappropriate behavior. It isn't to affirm inappropriate behavior. The goal is to create space that's safe for people to consider Jesus and be wooed his way. I moved to um, San Antonio about five years ago. And about six months into helping start this church, I got into um, conflict with one of the key leaders. And the conflict was over vision and style. And as a result of that conflict with a key leader here, we ended up really hurting each other. We, we hurt each other really badly. And uh, that all came to a head one evening. Um, and after that evening, we tried two or three times over the next six months to get together and to reconcile our differences, and it just didn't work. But we made the commitment that we were going to pursue forgiveness and reconciliation with each other so long as we both lived. And over the next three and a half years, God did a work in my heart. God did a work in his heart. And began to show us how we hurt one another. And began to show us how our core wounding really just collided with each other. And the pain from our past and the woundedness from our past really just came together in a perfect storm with both of our personalities in that particular situation. And as we discovered that, the Spirit began to do a healing work in me and a healing work in him, and we decided that we wanted to get together and reconcile. And last July, we got together all day with a mediator from Peacemaker Ministries, and we shared our hurt. And we empathized with how we hurt one another. And we asked each other for forgiveness and we gave each other forgiveness and we cried and we hugged. And toward the end of that day together, we weren't just forgiven and reconciled. We actually really felt a love and affection for one another. And we've talked on the phone and had breakfast together and we prayed together since. That's what Jesus does. He reconciles us with truth and with grace. 
And he gives us the ministry of reconciliation that we might be people of truth and grace. So here's your second journal exercise for this week. What relationship do you need to engage? And what if you embraced that conflict rather than avoided it? And what would happen if you embraced that conflict full of grace and truth? I know what will happen. And it's not just because I've experienced it. It's because who Jesus is and who we are in him. The grace and truth of Jesus is the redemptive pattern of all of our relationships. It's the heart of what it means to be a gospel community. It's how we make disciples and grow as disciples. Because it's the way of oneness with God and with one another. And the really cool thing is that it's not just for us, but as we love like Jesus, full of grace and truth, we find ourselves living on mission, helping others come into his tent and behold his glory with us. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your son Jesus this morning, around his table, we pray in your kindness and your compassion and your goodness and your love that we might behold his grace and truth. And that by your spirit we may become like him, full of grace and and truth. Lord, as we take the bread and the wine, forgive our sin, relieve us of condemnation, remove our shame, heal us, and set us free to be who you created and redeemed us to be. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.